and and like almost almost everybody when you ask them they're like why do you want to talk to me mm-hmm. i mean like I, what did i do i had the same exact reaction you messaged me and i was like I, you just got done talking to jackie cheryl what uh you're setting the bar pretty high. Do you want to you want to put some people between me and uh, and Jackie Cheryl? That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, everybody's got everybody's got like a, a unique experience, and sometimes when you're in the middle of that experience, you don't realize the significance of your experience. Sure. You know, you're just like ah, just whatever. I'm not that guy. But then that guy's like, I'm not that guy. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to remember when I met everybody. I think we swung by Stack Site one time on the way to a football game and met the the one lonely jerk out there. I want to say that's probably when I met him. And um, right back at you, man. Cool guy. I like the, I like the bunch of jerks I have met. Yeah, I mean, they 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 all turn into uh, uh, different people than you expected. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've I've never. I don't think I've ever said okay this this junior is going to be like this, mm-hmm. right? From what I've seen them as chiefs or whatever. And then they turn into that. I think, I think maybe the only exception in all history is Kenneth. <laughs> like, he was what I thought he would be, but everybody else is surprising. Yeah. That, you said Kenneth. I'm surprised you didn't list one of my buddies. I think the, uh, uh, the legend of Shane Hennig, I think um, everyone knows what you're going to get. When Shane's in the room, and I think everyone knew exactly what you were gonna get when he was picked to be a to jerk, and uh, yeah, no, he's a he's a character for sure. I I think that I mean that's yeah, it's probably I guess that's probably accurate. I I uh, I did not know that he would boil it down so much. Mm-hmm. You know, like he he went from serious to more serious. That's true. That's true. And then even as a senior, I'm like, hey, you know you're a senior now, right? <laughs> like, you can have fun now. It's okay. That's true. I think he was having a bit more fun in the background than maybe people were seeing. But uh, if he ever hears this conversation, I meant that in the most loving possible way. And I meant that, uh, you know, everyone knew he was going to be a great jerk and a great senior. And, and he was. So, um, yeah. But Kenneth as well. My, same same my, my big surprise introduction to Shane was we were having our – the first annual meeting after he got uh, offered as a candidate. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was the all hands chiefs and, and all that stuff meeting. Right. And uh, I needed a, I needed a pinch of tobacco and I, I knew that he had it, mm-hmm. but I didn't know, you know, his given name. I just knew a train, <laughs> but he was picked up as a candidate. So right. I was like, a train, a train. A train. And after a little bit, he just turns around and goes, it's Shane. I was like, oh, dude, you're taking this serious right off the bat. Okay. Okay. Shane. He did. He did. I'd say he's probably the scariest one of our, out of the bunch. That's for sure with us. He, uh, you know, he, he, that was, that was Shane though. You know, that wasn't an act. That was a, that was all him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know how much of it was, and I don't want to say, you know, it's ever an act because everybody's always being honest, Mm -hmm. 
But I think that part of the process of being a junior is to not uh, events some of the other parts of your personality. Mm-hmm. And then only just all that anybody ever sees is, is these parts that people identify with being a junior. Right. right. So nobody's ever acting like somebody who's super intense or, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who's laser focused or whatever. That's, that's part, but they just don't let you see the part where they're telling jokes and having fun. Yeah, no, exactly. And, I think, uh, I think uh, I was having a conversation with someone one time and they're like, Oh, I'm, I'm so happy. I'm so happy you're different now. Like since you're not a junior more, and I'm like, I'm not different. That was, that was me. That was a part of me. That's just maybe a little more amplified version of that part of me, but that, that wasn't an act. That was a, everyone has it in them. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you, you figure out how people really, they're the whole picture when they become seniors mm-hmm. and it's always shocking to me. Always shocking. I mean, the moment that, you know, the junior tackles the senior and takes the pot, <laughs> it's just, it changes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my gosh, like you're a goofball or, you know, right. you're funny or you're whatever. Uh, uh, but, you know, Shane was one that, you know, he took the pot and was just like, all right, more <laughs> of the same. <laughs> That's true. I, uh, he's, he has a different side to him that maybe he didn't show everybody. Uh, you know, he's he's that serious guy, but he's a goofball too. Um, yeah, love my buddies. Couldn't have asked for a better group of guys, dude. And that's it, man. That's it. Everybody, everybody walks away, and you know, it's sort of like parents. You know, but being a parent and the, and the kids, you know, sometimes they see one side getting frustrated or exasperated at the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, they're like, Oh, we're, we're a team. We're a family. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and, and sometimes it's only inside that family that, uh, that, that people realize just how tight that family is. But y'all, oh, y'all were certainly like what, what, like Scott said, right? Like you're the guys he would want. In a bar fight, or something. something like that. Yeah, yeah. those yeah. quotes are great. God, Scott has, yeah. a, has a way with words. That was fun. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. we were we were an interesting bunch. I, I think we our strength is that we really brought out the best in each other. I mean, I, I think me by myself, I don't think I would have been a great red pot. I think that it really took having Shane and, and Joseph Howard next to me to, to to really bring that out. And I hope I did the same to them. Um, you know, individually, I don't. I wouldn't say we're very much legendary characters, and um, but together, I mean, I think we had it. We had a great year. Um, and I, when I think when you first reached out to me, you're like, "Hey, I want to have a conversation with you." I almost, I almost came back and said, "Hey, can I get my buddies in the room too?" Because any story yeah. I tell, any story I tell is just gonna be incomplete without the perspectives of those two um, right alongside it. And uh, those are the best conversations to had. So you know, maybe. Maybe when this podcast blows up, you can have us in the studio that you build and uh, right. premiere fire chat, all of us. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let me let me uh, tell my wife that that's the direction we're headed. <laughs> Big scale. <laughs> Got to retire, honey. Um, so I can build a studio. Uh, no, and that's, I mean, and, you know, that's part of what's exciting about the conversations is every conversation <clears throat> fires up 
two, three, four more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I do want to talk to everybody and there were, there's a couple, uh, lined up that I, I think they're still trying to, Hey, can I have mine with other people? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm at, I'm absolutely, yes, we will do that at some point, mm-hmm. but I also want to have it with just you, sure. you know? And it is nice to be like, all right. So when you weren't in the room, this is how they right. remember it. Right. Um, but yeah, for sure. You know, at some point we're going to, um, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. So cool. with, uh, with all that talk mm-hmm. about y'all being the, the guys that somebody wants to get in a bar fight with, you know, the, and then Shane, Mr. Tough Guy, and Joseph, I mean, he was a, a gentle giant mm-hmm. until he wasn't gentle. Um, oh, yeah. So, y'all were big, tough dudes. Um, and yet, one of the things that, that y'all did, that people remember, that, you know, as a class happened, that, that people remember is um, kind of in the aftermath of uh, burn of 2013. What one of the Aggie non-fires, let's call it. Um, Now, I don't want to lead the witness, but first, set the stage. How do you remember the weather situation in 2013. I have, I have my memory of it, but how do you remember the weather situation for the whole season? For the whole season? It was, it was wet. Um, I remember the fear was that we wouldn't even have enough logs on the ground because we had to cancel some weekends because of the weather. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that season, you know, we had to either do some extended cuts or some cuts during off periods. You could totally correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember some extra time that needed to be spent to get those logs out of the out of the woods just because it was so wet. And then the process of actually getting them to stack site, I mean, that was always a mess. Um, you know, we had rain during multiple stack shifts. I think some stack shifts got canceled. So push was probably even more important that year because we had to really pile things into only a couple of days of build time. Um you know, we had people getting stuck in the mud, just trying to get out of stack site. Um, almost every stack shift. I remember it was always, it was a heck of a game. You had to hit that road at a certain speed, go in the right direction right. to just slide your way out of stack site. That was always fun. Um, of course we had the tractors to help out, but yeah, it was, um, it was wet, wet for sure. Yeah. Culminating in, um, that last week, Mm-hmm. I, I was trying to find the weather records locally for that last week. Um, because my memory of that last week, I, I'm just, I'm just like, my can't, my memory can't be accurate. Cause I, I feel like it was like a half inch, a quarter inch a day mm-hmm. for, for eight, nine, 10 days in a row leading up to the night. Was it the night before burn or was it two nights before burn? Um, just, it, the skies just opened up one night mm-hmm. and it dumped 
and there was all that rain, like I say, 24 hours, 48 hours before burn. Um, was it you that called me that morning about the delay? Um, that's part of the memory that I really don't, I can't recall. I'm not sure how it happened. It, it's gotta be one of us, either me, Shane or Joseph gave you a phone call. Yeah. Yeah. And we, cause we, you know, you had 2010 mm-hmm. and 2011, which were, it was too dry. Mm-hmm. And you got one year, the year where coach Cheryl speaks at burn. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. That's the year that was good. <laughs> and then 2013 is too wet and happening so close to burn, you know, with a burn band, you kind of, it kind of builds up and, right. you know, two months out, you're already going, Hmm, I wonder if this is going to happen. Yep. But with what we have with the rain, yeah, it was a wet season, but that last week being mm-hmm. just in, insane, and then I, I, my memory was it was you because I definitely remember it was you when I got there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whoever I talked to said it's going to be a delay. Ah, no, nah. no, nah, dude, it's fine. It's fine. Let me come out. There. No, Dion, it's a delay. So mm-hmm. I, I had to use my wife's car to drive out because my red 89 F-150 with the bonfire license mm-hmm. plate was left out there because the brakes had locked up earlier in the week. So mm. it didn't work. And it was up there. And when I pull up in my wife's car to see just what this situation is, every single vehicle at stack site was sunk up to its axles. And people were yep. trying to pull things out. And you could tell people had been trying to pull things out, but now both cars were sunk with a chain connecting them. Mm-hmm. And there was one car that was not sunk and it was my Ford that didn't even work. So, but sitting there at that front gate, not even able to drive the car and going, Oh dude, I guess you're right. This is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I was in pajama pants, I think. Cause I really thought I was just going to drive out and go, this is fine. Um, yeah. and then, uh, Dwight, do you remember Dwight being there? He told me he was there. I'll believe you. He was everywhere from time to time. So, you know, it's all of the the ideas, right? Like, get a train. Bring people in here with a train. Okay. Oh, yeah. Pick them up. Pick them up on campus. Bring them. And then that morning, when it's all a mess, somehow somebody called Dwight. He called us, whatever. Get you some fly ash. You got to get you some fly ash. And I'm like, what, what's he, what are you saying? You saying flash? Flash. <laughs> <laughs> what's flash? Fly ash. Are you, fly yeah. ash. What is fly ash? And then, I do remember that. Yeah, and he's, he's trying to explain what fly ash is. And it comes from power plant. And, <laughs> and we're like, how much does it cost? Doesn't matter. It's on the way. <laughs> like, <laughs> that big, it looked like a liquid tanker truck pulled up. Yeah. It looked like a thing for liquids. And yeah. it backed up with all that fly ash and then a hose like it was pumping liquid. Mm-hmm. And then dumped all that fly ash, and I'm thinking, dude, what is this? 
and and you jumped in autopilot mode and just started throwing fly ash. Yeah. Was I it remember. you? I'm I'm almost certain it was you. It might have yeah. been Dan who was there, but I'm pretty sure it was you. Yeah, no, I think it was it had to have been one of the juniors and probably myself, just because the seniors were probably already halfway out the door at that point. But I, I do remember the fly ash because that was the first time I'd ever learned what the heck that even was. So as soon as you said that, I'm like, yep, that was Dwight. <laughs> yeah. And I remember we're like, how much can we spread and where can we spread it to make it actually viable? And then we started running the calculations of, okay, how many do we need? And then it, it got out of hand. We, we entertained the idea, but it was, there was no way that that was going to be the solution to our problem. No. And I mean, hell, you got the one truck and the truck could only back up to right. the entrance. And and when we started throwing that, mm-hmm. first of all, without masks or whatever. Yep. So Lord knows we're going to pay for that at some point. But started throwing that fly ash. And I'm thinking, this is what is this? It's like baby powder in a mud pit. Mm-hmm. And then damned if that mud pit didn't turn to concrete in like 10 seconds. It stiffens but, up. Yeah, that was wild. Mm-hmm. But like you say, that only got it like 10, 20 yards into sight. Yep. And that was an entire the, tanker trunk. Yeah, we had the fly ash and then someone that had the idea of using like mulch. I think we Sorry. mulched like the, uh, Sorry. the entire. Was that you? That was my fault. <laughs> that mulch was a mess. <laughs> I, I remember we, we contacted a. We we kept the crews away from the fly ash. I guess we had the foresight to think of that, but the uh, the mulch. We called a couple crews out there, and everyone was shoveling mulch around everywhere. I think we got one of the mulch stucks truck, and we stuck, and we had, I guess, the entrance to stack site accessible. But how many acres we have out there to cover just wasn't going to work. No, we started laying the mulch earlier in the week. Yeah. Um, which is that experience is the reason why. We did not lay mulch at all uh, this year. Yeah. Um, because it seemed like a good idea at the time until you start going over it. And all you're doing when you put mulch down is you're distributing that pumping action of the cars. So instead of pumping, it's now pumping a wider area as that mat of mulch. And then you just make a bigger mud pit. That, really that mulch out. was... That was awful. Seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah. I even suggested getting a wood chipper and yeah. just chipping wood and blowing it. And yeah. Dwight's yeah. idea was better. That You don't hear that said often, but. Uh, no. <laughs> Give him credit where credit's due. No, it it was, was, I think it was amazing. You had it was so brilliant. Many people out there. Yeah. You had so many people out there just flinging ideas and no one knew what was going on. And I guess that's some of the. Uh, the best parts of Bonfire, I'd say, is, you know, coming up with an idea, seeing what works. It doesn't always work, but we had a fun time doing it. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it. I think I'm trying to remember the order of operations. Mm-hmm. Um, for a while there, I don't know if there was anybody else on site. Because, like I say, I couldn't, I couldn't get in. I'm at the gate, mm-hmm. and I hadn't been there for very long before the fly ash truck showed up. So I'm I'm there with the fly ash and you. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there was other people back stuck in there. Yep. Um but almost I mean before anybody else that I knew of got there, Clay Falls was there from KBTX. 
mm-hmm. um, filming and, and, you know, sets up the camera. And, and I remember him kind of looking at it like, whoa, I, dang, mm-hmm. not even going to ask to go in there. It's a mess. Yeah. Um, but it, in hindsight, you get through it and it certainly helps in years like this, which is, you know, part one of the reason why, uh, you know, I wasn't intending to have these conversations again until January and just kind of get through the holiday season. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's, uh, pertinent and timely, um, that we talk about, you know, bonfire going through the same situation right now. And, and the fun thing being, and you experienced and you participated in this thought process that is, this is the end of the world. It's never happened before. This is, what do we do? Lawrence mm-hmm. Sullivan Ross is going to rise from his, you know, it's just awful. And, and then, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, you realize, oh, there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. Stuff like this has happened before. Um, and, and that was kind of the, the feeling going into looking at all this rain accumulate this year. Oh no, what do we do? And it didn't take looking back very far to go, Oh, well then what did they do a decade ago? Mm-hmm. You know, and how did it, how did it hit them a decade ago? Cause that's part of the thing you're thinking about too, is how is this going to affect the people that were leading? How, how did the weather inserting itself against what you guys were trying to do? How did that affect the people you were leading? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure it's a pretty similar situation this year. It, at face value, you know, it, it hurts. It hurts to spend months building something, you know, all pointed towards this date, this burn date that we establish, and everything is counting down the days to burn. Everything's about burn, building towards this, building towards that, and everything kind of, you know, leads in that direction. And then to have that couple days before, uh, you know, have the rug pulled out from underneath you, you know, it's not a good feeling. It hurts. Um, and I think it's very easy to follow into that trap of, you know, oh man, that sucks. We don't get to burn. What's the point? You know, why did we do all this if we don't get to burn? But, um, you, you know, I think it takes a little bit of reflection when that happens to realize that, you know, it had nothing to do with burn. Um, none of this was about burn in the end of it. We didn't spend weekends out there hanging out with everybody and working our asses off to, to, to burn it, really. You know, we, we did that to build it. You know, burn it's just... You know, the, the cliche statement, we burn it just to clear the field, right? Well, it's, it's cliche because it's said so much because it's true, is, is the truth. Yeah. You know, you just burn that thing to get it out of the way um, so we can build again. You know, who cares about burn? Um, but it, it hurt. I, I think it was a difficult decision. It was almost, you know, an unheard of decision. I think when, it, when we brought the idea to the table of delaying burn, it's like, wait, we're going to actively decide to not burn? Like, that's that's our decision? You know, it wasn't a burn ban. It wasn't, you know, the... Mm-hmm the county telling us we couldn't burn it was a oh we have to make that decision on our own um Mm -hmm. so that was even more pressure and and made it you know potentially hurt a little more um at the same time having you know your fate in your hands was was a bit better for us i think um yeah i think everyone i think the crews probably took it the hardest but at the end of the day when we when we sat down me and my buddies with the seniors we probably had the brown pots in the conversation i'm you know, I'm sure you were involved in the conversation, at least at some part with the board. Um, just, you know, logically kind of lining things up. It was the only logical decision to make. 
it, it didn't make sense to do it any other way than what we did. So, um, but, um, I think, you know, obviously it was the right decision and, um, I think, you know, it was a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, there, there's not a lot of things from back when I did it that I remember saying mm-hmm. comes as no surprise that I said a lot of things. Right. But there's one thing that I remember saying that still holds true, and you guys exemplified. At Bonfire, shit doesn't happen to you. You happen to shit. And and shit happened, and y'all happened to it. Y'all just mm-hmm. said, all right, here's what we're going to do with you. you big yep. steaming pile or whatever. And, <laughs> and, and you, you know, you got the situation under control. You represented things very well with the media, with, with your, the people you were leading within each other. And just, you, you turned it into, you know, what you recognize there that, all right, we can sit here and navel gaze about how boo hoo, we didn't get to meet some arbitrary date on a calendar. Uh, but Hey, let's stop and pause and realize this opportunity we've been given to think about why we do this. Absolutely. Um, which carries over into into the spring semester. I mean, y'all's y'all's determination to happen to shit goes all the way into the spring. But before that happens, um, y'all have got to guard stack over the Someone's winter break. So how did first of all was that even part of your thinking about all right? If we delay it, somebody's going to have to watch it. Did you even think about that? Probably not. You know, that was probably the last thing on our minds. There were so many other variables and things to consider. You know, it's just uh, if that's what happens, that's what that's what's got to happen. We'll do it. Was there was there ever a moment like after you made the delay commitment and we're resolved to that we're going to execute it in this way now? Was there ever a moment where you went, oh, wait a minute. I'm sure there was. And in full disclosure, I'm, I'm sure you remember it. And maybe the rules have changed or quotations around rules. But the, back in my time, um, the responsibility typically to guard stack, you know, after the juniors become seniors um, officially, is, is it typically falls on the, the backs of the baby brown pots, actually. Um, mm-hmm. So and I'm not sure how much, <laughs> full disclosure, I'm not sure how much we involved them in the conversation, um, you know, to delay or not, knowing that, you know, it'd probably fall on them. Uh, I'm sure we did talk to them a little bit about what that would mean. Um, plus, at that point, we had how many baby browns to split that up? I don't even know how many. There's a large number of browns. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure we realized the decision that we made, you know, what that meant for everybody. Um, and I think part of, uh, and maybe we didn't in some degree, and, and maybe part of that came, you know, plays into why I was out there on, uh, on Christmas Eve myself. But um, yeah, you know, that, that decision definitely affected a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, you, you talk about the baby Browns. I know they were the ones this year that were most impacted with, with the delay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, and, and there's this whole process of, the stages of grief, you know, you can almost see playing out again with the whole oh, yeah. denial negotiation. You know, no, we can make this work. 
this year I've got Wyatt was the one calling me. Hey, Dion, uh, we think we've got another plan. And so I drive back out there this year and then we take another long walk that I don't want to take. They show me all this and it's like, hey, this looks great. But what about this one spot right here that Mm. to get from there to here? How are you going to get over here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. You know, and (laughs) and there's just let's make it work. And and then you finally would be easier to just go, guys, it's not going to work. Yeah. Uh, But they're not going to learn. You didn't learn. I didn't learn from somebody showing up and telling me this is the way it's got to be. Yeah. Just go through that process. And and so you get through that process and then it happens. But a baby brown was only just recently a crew chief. I mean, one day they're a crew chief or a yellow pot or a or a butt pot in the core. And the next day they're a baby brown. They, they haven't figured out how to sharpen their chainsaw yet, let alone the complicated interplay of decisions that go into running the thing. Right. So it is sort of unfortunate that it's like, hey, sorry, guys, we're going to make this decision. Um, and they certainly felt that this year. Um, mm-hmm. But ultimately, like you say, you're out there on Christmas Eve. Now, before we get to that, where else would you have been on Christmas Eve? I would have been at home with the family. You weren't out there. Yeah, home with, with the parents, the family, siblings, everyone, just normal Christmas Back at home. Yeah. Which is... Where's home? Home is Austin for me. Mm-hmm. Austin. Recalling recalling some information that I don't think I knew until I read it. <laughs> home at Austin with a family who is... Um, has, a, has a background of attending the University of Texas. All right. Yeah. So a family that let, let's say it's probably safe to assume has no understanding of why you would be even participating in bonfire, let alone leading it, letting a, let alone choosing to be out there on Christmas mm-hmm. Eve. How did that go? <laughs> That's a funny question. Um, you know, I think you're right. I don't, I don't think my family understood at all the reasons why I was so passionate about Bonfire at the time. I think, I think it was very hard for them to understand. Um, but I think it was also very easy for them to see what it meant to me. I mean, I don't, I don't think that was ever in question. They're like, wow, this is something that really matters to him. It matters to, you know, the people he out with and spends all his time with so this is important so you know we'll, we'll respect that did they understand that you know the deeper meaning and all that no probably absolutely not um not like not like someone who's you know been an aggie for a while would probably understand better um and i do remember that conversation me i think i probably gave my mother a phone call and said hi um i won't be there christmas eve um i don't know what to tell you um i don't really have a you know an excuse other than I got to be at bonfire, um, but I'll be there, you know, the next day as soon as I'm relieved. I'm sure there was a lot of disappointment, but I, I think I give credit to my parents. I think they, like I said, they saw what it meant to me and they knew that this was something I had to do. And they're like, you know what? That's, that's fine. It's one Christmas. We, we have Christmas every year. You're only going to be doing this for so long. If this is what you need to do, you know, we support you. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. 
So you go out there that night, Mm -hmm. um, Christmas Eve night. Uh, was it just you the entire time? I was out there by myself all Christmas Eve. What, what motivated you to go in there and step in and do it? When, like you said, on paper, it's the baby's responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it was, you know, so we back up to the decision. We made that. And then we started realizing the ramifications of what that meant. You know, someone had to be out there 24-7. Stack can't go unguarded. And that falls on the baby browns. And then I think we started doing the, the basic math of, okay, we have this many browns. We have this many days to cover. They, at one point, need to go home to see their families, right? And it turns out we had a bunch of them, I think, who lived pretty far away. Um, so that limited, I think, I believe there was one baby brown pot who lived in town. So unfortunate for this guy, I think a lot of the responsibility fell to him because, you know, he's in town, so he doesn't have to travel too far. He can take more shifts, right? Which, who's to say if that's fair or not? So as the discussions were happening, I think it kind of came down to, um, well, everyone wanted to be home for Christmas, but... This guy lives in town, so why doesn't he just take, you know, Christmas, Christmas Day, you know, why doesn't he just take the hard shifts because he's around and the rest of us will come back into town after we spend the holidays with our family. Um, and I guess some part of me must have heard that and thought, you know what, that's not that's not super fair. It's not right for everything to fall on him. And, um, you know, at that point I was super motivated. You know, I still felt like I had a lot more to give to Bonfire. So, you know what, this was a very simple thing for me to do, you know, just take a little more of the burden because why not? Mm. So I said I'd take Christmas Eve and um, spent the night out there and uh, I was relieved the next morning and made it home for Christmas. So all in all, wasn't wasn't too uh, too much time. <laughs> so there's this this thing that ends up happening at some point. You got to check the timestamp on it. I don't know if the timestamp's actually on it. Um, Are you pulling up the original Facebook post? It, yeah, it, it, well, the photo behind it. Let me see. And I'll share, share it with you. And you know the photo. Um, <laughs> that one. Yep. Did you you take that photo? I mean, you would have to have done that. Yeah. Yep. Um. The funny thing is that for so many years, every year I would just, the story itself is what captivated me so much. The, the, the story of this stack with Christmas lights on it, that like all of the details around it, who was there, what time, whatever, every year I'm like, wait, was it? And I would like text Dan. It took a few years before I finally remembered, okay, all the people involved. I text Dan, Dan, was that you again? Or who was that? Right. Dan's nose, Andrew. Um, but I believe it, you texted is, me one year and you were like, Hey, can you, can you let me know who took this photo? And I was like, yeah, it was me. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, cause it's, the story is just so, you know, so what happened here? What, what, what was, what led to this? Oh, that's a, a big question. I'm and. You know, when you first reached out to me about having this conversation, I'm glad you told me that this was generally in broad strokes of what you want to talk about. Because if you were to pull this photo up to me right now, 
cold and asked me what was I thinking when I did this. I couldn't tell you what I was thinking 10 years ago in college. I would have just said it probably just sounded like a good idea at the time, like as any good college kid would say. But, um, you know, you know, I've, I've spent, you know, a little bit of time thinking about kind of what, what emotions probably led to this. Um, and, you know, it all comes back to probably overcoming that, that original emotion of having to delay burn. Um, I think what I, what I was trying to do was try to, you know, I guess bring a little cheer to people, mostly myself even. Um, I may not have not even intended to take a picture. I probably just had the Christmas lights and wanted to set them up just for myself. But, um, you know, I figured, hey, I think people would get a kick out of this. You know, I think people would, uh, you know, enjoy getting a little bit of laugh out of, uh, out of a, you know, a, not a great situation of having a delay. And, you know, seeing stack lit up like this, probably for the first time, I don't think... I'm not sure anyone ever has put Christmas lights, you know, at least in the, in the, the new fire years. Um, so, you know, I figured people would enjoy it, get a little holiday cheer and, um, cheer myself up. And then I think probably some of it was too, was also just to remind everyone that, you know, bonfire's still there. There's still people garden stack. There's still people actively working. Um, and not only that, I mean, even if we did burn just to remind people that, you know, bonfire doesn't end, you know, as soon as, you know, burn isn't the end of fire it's the start of the next one so you know bonfire is always is always continuing i like the idea of using social media just kind of show people what was going on and remind everyone that hey this next year's already started you know this one may not be gone but we're working and there's still people out here yeah yeah and i mean so much tied up in that there's you know, you got the reminder to to everybody, but then knowing too that, like you say, you're, the the first thing that's going to put that into your head is, and when I describe what happened to everybody, it, it's this: it's out there alone, junior red pot, possibly senior red pot. I can't even remember. Real quick, how did how did that play out? Were were y'all still juniors? Did y'all like y'all went to seniors? We we were seniors at we were seniors before before burn night. Okay, because I I know there was debate as to like how do we handle this? Do we make them right. stay juniors until it burns or whatever? Oh God, that's that's horrendous that that idea even passed. <laughs> oh, well, it's you know benefit of 2010 and 11, kind of learning from the past there. But right, you know, so a red pot out there taking the shift so that you know, somebody who it's even possibly more convenient for can finally get a break and, and then just sticking a string of lights, maybe a couple of strings of lights on stack, you know, and it's just sitting back and looking at it. And when I describe it to people almost unanimously, they go like Charlie Brown, <laughs> you know, just this, it 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 is it is not a refined figure. It is a Christmas tree looking thing that has lights on it. <laughs> but it warms so many people's hearts that you know that reminder of everything that you described. All who put those lights up? Somebody had to do it. You mean somebody's out there on Christmas Eve? Um. Yep. Yeah. Was was Mark involved? Did you go out there with the lights or? Did Mark bring them to you? How'd that work out? Mark, which which Mark are we talking about? Fogel saying. 
Oh, well, ah, that's the the named brown pot. Uh, no, he. I'm not. I don't think he was involved. I I, I must have either had these in my truck, or I, I have a vague memory of stealing these from one of the other brown pots. One of my buddies, Chad. I might have stolen from his truck. I'm, I don't know where the lights came from. I. It might have been, I lived with a house with five guys. You might have had the grand idea of, you know, attempting to light our house. And then it came down to the day of who's going to actually hang the things and no one wanted to do it. So we ended up with these lights. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure the full story, but no, these, these came, I acquired these on my own. They weren't just sitting out at Stackside. I, act, I actively brought them for, for one purpose or the other. A Christmas miracle. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Mark, and it, you know, one day I'm going to talk to Mark too. Um, mm-hmm. but, well, hell, I'll let I'll let him talk about some. I learned a lot from him um, as a yellow pot and as a as a brown pot. Um, but yeah, so you know what they're doing now. I don't know if you've heard this, and they're not making no, no. a huge deal out of it. Um, but they were looking at okay, so we're going to have to delay. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody knows the, the image now everybody's going to know the story, but everybody knows the image of, uh, a lone bonfire stack over the Christmas holiday with lights on it. And they said, you know, we should do that again, but now let's involve the participants, you know, let them leave a little something for everybody who's left behind to, to watch it. Um, I like it. Yeah. And so they're accumulating lights. I think people are mailing them lights possibly, and they're scrapping together and scratching together what they can. Um, And they're going to have a day where they go out there and they're going to use some of the ropes, the, uh, Mm -hmm. the old expired pulley ropes that need to be disposed of anyway. And they'll hang ornaments from the ropes like garland so that they can wrap it around the stack until you know, in time for burn, just pull the rope down, not have anything actually hanging on stack. Right. And lights and decorations and, you know, organically that. Yeah. No, that's awesome to hear. That That's so cool. I, I mean, take this, this poor quality image of poor quality lights and a half-assed job and uh, make it much better. Make it your own. And uh, props to those guys for uh, having the enthusiasm to do that. I think it's going to look great. Yeah, they were, uh, it, it, you know, it's fun to watch these these thought processes play out where, mm-hmm. you know, it's exciting that people still have the same, nobody has to prime anybody to have that kind of enthusiasm and motivation. Right. You know, you don't have to lead the witness ever. It, they just, hey, so we're going to light it and we're actually going to make it a big event and have everybody out. But an event just for participants, mm-hmm. you know, just this group of people who has to go Mm -hmm. home knowing that their stack is still there. Right. Let's just leave a little joy behind on your way out. Yeah. Um, that's great. No, I applaud them. You know, I think when I, when I did this, I, this was more of a, Hey, I'm going to take one for the team, you know, and be out there. And then this needs to, you know, but I think you can involve more people and make this much less of a, you know, a bad situation all around just by having the, you know, the participants really come in and help. So, um, yeah, once again, I applaud them. I think that's great. Yeah, I, uh, I I have yet to hear if anything has come of it, but I, I made some little outline because I have kids. So this when right. they start going, then 
me as having kids, I'm like, Oh man, I bet kids would love to. So I just made some outline little stuff and published them. So maybe kids can decorate stuff and then put it in the mail and send it to bonfire in yeah. time. And, uh, you know, involve, involve everybody in being excited about it and let the participants be the one that do it. Um, yeah. and then they're going to burn on January mm-hmm. 21st, which gets to sort of the last phase and the most notable one of y'all's decision. So you, you try as the odds stack up against you a quarter inch of rain at a time, day by day, and you start battling this muck and you start taking stupid ideas for people like me and throwing mulch down to make it worse uh, or ideas that sound crazy to actually work like fly ash and you mm. battle against it. And then you finally go, you know what? This is the equipment to fix. This can't even get on site. And so you make the call and then you delay it. And then you deal with the first thing, which is guarding it until the spring semester. But then y'all made a decision that had never been made before or in the way that y'all made it, which was in 2010 and 11 bonfire, had to delay for burn ban. And mm-hmm. then the decision at the time was just, listen, we, we operate on a shoestring, you know, that if nobody shows up to the burn event, it doesn't cost any less to execute a burn event. Cause you got to get the insurance. You got to get the safety personnel. You got to get the signs. You got to get the, and on and on and on. And mm-hmm. if you do all that and spend all that money and nobody shows up, so many of those people are agreeing to be paid in arrears. And if nobody shows up now, you, yeah, you're done. It's over. Uh, Cause you can't pay people. And yep. in 10 and 11 burning in 11 and 12, the decision was, you know, we're just going to burn it without making an event out of it because that's the only way you can get rid of it. Um, and only participants can come. And there were people who understood that. And then there were people who didn't. And, so going into this one with yeah. hindsight, you know, being to your advantage, y'all had to make a decision about, do we burn it where everybody can participate and make a full burn event out of it and spend all that money and stick our necks out? Or do we just do what we have to do and, and burn it? And y'all made the decision to, to make an event out of it. So what was, from your perspective, what was that process like? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we had the, the blessing of a previous experience to go off of, right? And that's, you know, that's the quintessential bonfire experience, learning from uh, those who pass on their experience from above. Um, and, and, you know, first and foremost, Aggie Bonfire is a nonprofit organization, and it needs funds to run and operate. A lot of that comes from donations, but uh, the fact is a lot of that also comes from a successful burn night admission, tickets, you know, stuff like that, all that goes into building the next fire. So if you don't have that event, you're severely hurting yourself financially for the next year. Not to say that that can't be overcome. Obviously it has been in the past, but, um, you know, for us, we really wanted to set the next year up on a good foot, um, which would make things better for our boys, the next juniors and, you know, everything all around, you know, it's, I feel like possibly for the couple years before that bonfire was operating, you know, probably, you know, emptying the budget every year, you know, which doesn't leave a lot of money for improvements. So, you know, if we can, 
set ourselves up with a, with a fat bank account and, you know, actually buy some of the things that we need to operate safely and successfully, we should absolutely do that. So, you know, it was, we look back at what happened the previous years, um, you know, burning without the full event. And then, you know, it was, it was a no brainer, you know, I think, I think people maybe not necessarily directly in the situation might, you know, come and say, Oh, I mean, well, didn't you think about this? And didn't you think about that? And, you know, I, I guarantee you, we thought about everything and it was still, the most logical and easy decision, I think, to, to delay it and then hold the whole event, you know, wait for a time when we can have a full burn, full participation, call everyone, do the full advertisement. And that was, I really don't think that was a hard decision to make when you put everything logically on the table in front of us. Um, so yeah, we considered everything, um, timing, made sure we could have everyone out there. And, and I think the event that we had was, was good and successful. And I'm happy we did things the way we did, for sure. Well, I remember you being uh, an early, uh, you specifically being an early proponent of taking the risk and doing the whole event. Mm -hmm. I also remember there weren't, there wasn't necessarily a majority that was defaulting to that, right? Yeah. There was a, a lot of concern of let's just play it safe. Right? Let's mm -hmm. just, let's just keep our heads low. And let's preserve what little we got and let's mm -hmm. just scrap the next year. And, you know, at one point it was, it was simple. It was as simple as for everybody who doesn't believe that it's viable to take this risk, which is understandable, sure. you know, especially for, you know, there, there are, there are people who you ask to be cautious because that's what they're mm -hmm. good at. And, and for those people there that you ask to be cautious, that you expect them to say, no, don't do this. Sure. Um, but when the question was, what is it going to take to make you comfortable with, with going the way that the, the reds want to go? Most mm -hmm. of them. Uh, what is it going to take to make you feel good about it? It was, I can't even remember the exact amount, but it was a fair deal of money. And yeah. it was, we're also going to need a truck. That's part of what we need the money for is to replace a truck. Mm -hmm. And okay. So what's the timeline? And it was a timeline. It was a crazy timeline. It was like two weeks. Yeah. Right. If we can have this by two weeks, that'll give us enough time to commit to it and prepare, mm -hmm. you know, and that's going off of what, you know, y'all go put me in coach. We'll get it done. So two weeks to do it. And, you know, you talk about bonfire comes from support. Mm -hmm. All right. We got two weeks to come up with this significant amount of money in part to support getting a new truck. Um, I called my dad who does this for a living. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dad, is this even possible? And he's like, dude, son, people in this profession would kill for the opportunity to work for an organization who's asking the very simple question that you're asking. And within one week, former students took care of it. All the bills were paid in advance, right? Like all of them or like 90% of the bills were paid in advance. Most of it, at least, you know, enough for us to be extremely comfortable taking the risk. You know, I'm not sure what decision we would have made if we hadn't come up with that money. You know, I'd like to say we probably would have made the same decision, but having that, having the support people come out of the woodworks, you know, in a, in a tough year was, you know, was huge for us that it made the decision even, even easier and more make us even more confident in what we did. 
Yeah, and and everybody felt great about it. And I and I know <clears throat> one of the concerns that people had uh, was, well, if we ask them for this this money and then nobody shows up, we can't pay them back. And it was, whoa, 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 we're not asking them to give us a loan. Right. We're asking them to pay for the event in advance. And if the yeah. event succeeds, then Bonfire is going to be in, in the, one of the best positions it's ever been in financially. Uh, and if we're clear about that in advance, people will be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And and sure enough, I mean, it wasn't even a topic of conversation. They're just like, here you go. And I hope it works out and I hope you have an event and then you can run with it. Mm-hmm. Um and then, so then there is the event, January, that might have been two, two. Now, at this point, it will be three out of four delayed burns have been January 21st. So chances are, okay. was it January 21st? Do you remember? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> it's something like that. January. Um, January, definitely January. There's the event. You're you're busy, so let's just make it quick. It was huge. Yeah, it was, it was massive. Big. Yeah, and and that was, I mean, part of the risk. You know, I didn't necessarily say right off the bat was part of the risk of making that decision to delay was, it's the question of how motivated are people to go to burn? How much do people care about bonfire? And that question yeah. was a little bit maybe up in the air that year. You know, okay, well if we don't have it before a football game, are people going to care is anyone is that the only reason why people go to bonfires you know to get hyped for this this arbitrary football game that's not even about tu anymore so if we had it if we hold it in january where there's nothing around it there's no excitement there's no nothing are people going to show up and boy did people show up it was it was huge the the excitement was there i mean it was it was overwhelming It, it was really cool i think that was you know of the of the four fires i was involved with i think that was probably I, I don't know numbers, but numbers wise, it felt like the largest that year, you know, probably even bigger than my senior year. Um, but it felt big. And yeah, it was, it was, a, it was an awesome event. I, I'm convinced to this day. I know for a fact it was the biggest event that had been had um, off campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt like by a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm still to this day convinced it might have been the biggest crowd ever off campus. I believe um, it. I believe it. I've seen some crowds and that was that was a hell of a crowd. And you know, I I remember in picking the date, the discussion of well, what day do we pick and what do we align it with and what kind mm-hmm. of events need to be going on and you just look at that time of year anyway, but especially that year was there's nothing. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. We can't push it off until there is something. Cause then that's getting pretty late and we're already behind. Like you say, it, mm. you're working immediately after burn. Yep. But you're already behind. Can't do it any earlier. The students aren't going to be there, especially the ones yep. that built it. So this is the date and there's nothing. Sorry. So it's in the spring. It's not even a tennis match. Yep. And then yet, if you build it, they will come. If you burn it, they will come. And they came. It was incredible. <laughs> So what what were y'all's expectations? I mean, was it, oh, we're just going to burn it at the end of the night or maybe some people will show up? I mean, what, what were you thinking was going to happen that morning? 
I mean, we planned it. We, we planned it as if this were no different than any normal burn. You know, we contacted our vendors. We didn't, we didn't skimp on that. We didn't try to, you know, save money by saying, okay, well, we're not going to spend, we're not going to pay for this. We won't pay for the porta potties or pay for the lights, pay for whatever, you know, we planned it as if this was going to be a full event and, you know, um, probably even over-prepared it because the field was still a little wet. I mean, the amount, the volume of rain that you described was, was accurate and that takes a while to, to, you know, to dissipate during a cold Texas winter. So we probably overplanned it. And, um, yeah, um, we just carried on as usual. And I guess the expectation or the hope was that, Hey, let's just break even. Let's just, let's just make sure we're not setting ourselves off on a bad foot. You know, let's just at least cover the cost, have a good event for everybody, get everyone motivated for the next motivated for the next season and just carry that motivation on to a good year. But I mean, that expectation was blown out of the water. I mean, as you said, the, the attendance was crazy. We had plenty of money for all the things that we needed. I think that there's a new truck involved somewhere in there. You know, there was all sorts of great things. It, so whatever expectation we had was was blown sky high. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I was I, I was one of the – and I, yeah, I usually am one of the guys on the board that's just like, do it. I, it's going to happen. Just do it. Let's go right. crazy. And mm-hmm. – Thank goodness there's strong personalities in the other direction, you know? And sure even you so, sides. what's that? Oh, sure. You need both sides and that's, it helps. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and one of those voices I even invited to, to be a voice because I knew that we disagree about everything. So, mm. you know, uh, and, and even so, just to say, even so the guy that's like the craziest about, let's just do it. This will be mm. great. Uh, I was there looking out going, this is, I was so wrong because I way underestimated what was going to happen tonight. Um, so it was great. And the mm-hmm. full life cycle of decisions that you and your buddies made and committed to see through to the end, you know, shit didn't happen to you. You happened to shit. And, and you took a horrible situation and you reminded people what bonfire is about. You didn't lament the trappings that don't matter. You, you taught lessons. You learned lessons yourself. You, you brought a little light and joy to a lonely, sad night uh, that is resonating to today. You know, you, you rang the bell. It's still ringing. People are taking that and making it their own organically. And, and then you, you burned it and you had one of the biggest burns, possibly still the biggest burn off campus in the spring. And again, reminded people, I think it was after your fire that James Fuquay said they put, they, they did what we only ever just said. Yeah. They proved what we only ever just had to talk about. They burned it just to make another one. And, and, you know, here we are going into this year. There's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. It's not the end of the yeah. world. In fact, it's a wonderful beginning. Exactly. I couldn't couldn't say any better mes- myself, Dion. I think you have a way with words, and I think you captured that pretty pretty eloquently and accurately. So yeah, I'm just describing what y'all show me. Yeah. <laughs> well, the old <laughs> no one ever said a red pot was good with words, but uh, actions matter, right? <laughs> that's that's it. Let's be fair. 
Red Red Pots like to make like, like well, I don't know. But well, you put them in front of somebody, and they they say the right things. <laughs> sure. Most of the time, most of the time. I'm gonna harp on Shane Hennig one more time though. He's not a guy I'd ever put in a give a microphone in a room with people bunch of wearing suits. So. <laughs> uh, uh. But to his me. credit, and to everybody, you know, in the same vein, it's. There's the conversation every year. All right, who do we call when the media is ready? And 99% of the time, it's head stack. And never has there been somebody who can't do it who said they can. Right. Like, everybody knows what they could do. And Shane was one who was like, not me. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a little bit of uh, interest in the limelight to be a good head stack. I think you got you to... Gotta... You got to have the humility, but uh, play yourself up a little bit. I think it's good yeah. for you. Oh, dude, Patrick Bailey was epic at that. <laughs> Point essential. I can't think of a better name that <laughs> embodies that. <laughs> dude, when they brought with KVTX, I think it was again that came out and tried to they wanted to film somebody in the swings, and Patrick's like, "I got this," and they're on fifth Ooh, tier or something. <laughs> so right, it's like four <laughs> feet off the ground, and Patrick's but it's like. The angle. Yeah, he's like, if you stand right there, you get this angle. It'll look like I'm way up. And it damn sure did. And he's up there <laughs> swinging from it like he's Tarzan, but he got up on a step stool. Like, <laughs> it was awesome. Love it. That's awesome, man. <laughs> well, hey, I, I appreciate it, Andrew. It's it's always a pleasure. Um, always and is. Yeah, I think it's going to help a lot of people, uh, motivate a lot of people to hear to hear that perspective. And I appreciate you taking the time to share it. Yeah, anytime. I'm happy that uh, to happy to hear that picture. You know, made such an impact on people. You know, I posted it just just for fun. But uh, you know, have this come back ten years later and have a story about it is is really cool. So I appreciate you inviting me on, Dion. Anytime. This was fun. Thanks, Andrew. Hey, yep. Merry Christmas and uh, Happy New Year, and and we'll see you soon. Merry Christmas, Dion. Talk to you later. Gig him. share this with you i told the reds that i would be talking to you mm -hmm. and your great 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 grandson said awesome i've met him before cool guy so you're a cool guy i appreciate the compliment